Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Happy Wednesday. We are coming out the tunnel on College Football Live with the biggest game of the weekend. It is number 11, Texas, taking on number 3, Alabama. They're meeting for the 11th time. And what will Jalen Milrow look like on the big stage? and why the pressure might be on Texas. Plus, there are still quarterback controversies in Columbus. Ryan Day on why we'll see two quarterbacks this weekend. And is patience the key to figuring out what works? Plus, expectations higher than ever in Colorado, but can Coach Prime's crew live up to the hype? College Football Live starts right now. Welcome into College Football Live. Rolling four deep today. Sam Ancho, Tom Luganville, and EJ Manuel with me. And guys, we've got a big game right out of the gate to get to because it is going to be a massive matchup between Alabama and Texas. We start with the men at the helm in this one, specifically Steve Sarkeesian, who, as you may know, used to coach under Nick Saban. Saban is 28-2 at Alabama against his former assistants with both of those losses coming in 2021. Now, the two teams met in in Austin last year. Alabama came away with a thrilling 20-19 win. Alabama struggled at first but turned it on by having more yards in the fourth quarter than the first three quarters combined. And as for this season, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, well, hit a monster game in week one against Rice. He threw for 260 yards and became the first Texas quarterback with three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in a season opener since 2013. And speaking of monster games, look no further than Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow. He became the first player in Alabama history to have three passing touchdowns and two rushing in a single game in their win against Middle Tennessee. And Steve Sarkeesian, he was absolutely about Milrow earlier this week. Jalen's a fantastic player. Uh, you know, I got a chance to recruit him out of high school. He's got a dynamic arm. Uh, he can make every throw in the book, off platform, on the run, doesn't matter. He's a tremendous runner. He's an elite runner with the ball in his hand, uh, with his speed and his physicality. And he's highly competitive. He's a really good leader. They're going to run the quarterback. It's, it's not a secret. What they did in week one is, is you know, we're going to get something different, and that's okay. Um, but, but, you know, making sure that we are accounting for number four in all of the quarterback run games is going to be a real key to the drill. Okay, so Sark liked what he saw from Jalen Milrow. EJ, you know what it's like to be a quarterback, new quarterback coming in on a big stage. What's important for Jalen Milrow in this game? Kelsey, the importance for Milrow is to really settle down early in this game because we all know the emotions are going to be extremely high. We know Texas and Alabama went back and forth last year, but Alabama obviously was able to pull out the victory. So this is kind of a revenge matchup for Texas. And I think when you look at Milrow against Middle Tennessee, 
it was a little rocky at first, but of course there was some big throws that he was able to make. His zero to 60, like Coach Sarkeesian talked about, as far as him being a runner, this guy is fast, fast. So when he takes off and runs, he can certainly hurt that Texas defense. But I do believe that Texas is going to try to force Milrow to stay in the pocket and make some really competitive man-to-man throws. And he's going to have to be really accurate against these DBs because they got a lot of All-Americans on that side of the football for Texas. Yeah, EJ, you're right. Those windows are going to shrink and close down for, for Jalen Milrow to throw the ball into with the uh, upgrading competition. I think Sark nailed it. Um, defending quarterback run puts so much strain on your defense because you're essentially now playing 11 on 11. And so if you're, if you're worried about quarterback run, you're going to have to bring somebody else into the box so that the numbers match up. And I think that's a concern, and it should be, because as Sark said, he's a dynamic runner that's not only fast, but he's powerful. And then I think from a Texas perspective, guys, um, this is a huge, monumental game. Uh, This is the game that every Texas fan wants. This is the game that the University of Texas needs to win. This is that hurdle game. I liken it to to Jim Harbaugh's first few years at Michigan. And you remember the heat that he would take for having a poor record against top 10 teams, a poor record against top 25 teams. And then they got that one win against Ohio State, and it all changed. And that's why the pressure, in my opinion, is on Texas in this football game. Alabama's done this time and time again. But for Sark to elevate this program and move it forward, they need a win like this on the road. And I think it could change the the complexion of their program entirely. And the way that it's going to change, if it does change, to your point, it's going to start at the quarterback position. Now, last year, Quinn Ewers in the first quarter got injured. But before his injury, he was 9 for 12 with 134 passing yards. But I'm not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the two misses that we saw from this Texas football team. This is early in the game, about six minutes in the game. Max protection. He's going to go down deep to Xavier Worthy. He's going to miss it. Xavier Worthy had about a step or a yard of separation. Later on in that game, same quarter, deep ball again, wide open, Xavier Worthy, a little bit overthrown, and he dropped it. Now, what we're not going to show is the 44-yard bomb later on in that first quarter that led them to a a touchdown. So what has to happen if Texas wants to make that step from good to great is Quinn Ewers is going to have to make those connections with Xavier Worthy, with Jordan Whittington, with Isaiah Nayor, if he's healthy. That's what's going to have to happen for this offense to make the leap. It's a massive opportunity for both of these quarterbacks, especially Texas, as you mentioned, Tom Luganbill, to see what they are able to do on this big stage. Let's take a look at another quarterback, though, and this is a little bit of a quarterback controversy because in Columbus, still a question mark, trying to figure out who is going to be their guy. Kyle McCord is the starter, but it was a lackluster performance from him in the first game. Didn't have a passing touchdown. Here's Ryan Day on what's next for them on the quarterback spot. I'd love to say, yeah, you know, uh, Kyle's a starter and Devin's not going to play, but that's not the case, and, and that that's not fair to him either. It's not fair to the team, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have, like I said, I do not have a crystal ball. I don't know what it's going to look like. I wish I did. I know everybody wants to know what it's going to look like, but we'll just keep grinding on this thing and keep trying to find wins because we know it's a long season, and ultimately we have to find out what is best for our team. All these coaches talking about crystal balls the first two weeks. Luke, take me into your crystal ball. What, what should they do at quarterback at Ohio State? I I really think they want Kyle McCord to be the guy, but there's something happening during the week in Columbus that is is allowing Devin Brown to be in the mix because he must really be pushing Kyle. I think they're they're really wanting Kyle to take the next step, and they need Devin Brown to push him in that direction. I didn't feel like there was a lot of juice 
with this offense in the first half. The second half, I thought it was much cleaner, much more precise. The issue, though, I don't think it's just at quarterback, y'all. You've got to look at the offense as a whole. This was a team that settled for three field goals, all right, once they got past midfield, and they were 2 of 12 on third down. That's not just the quarterback. So I think there's a lot to coach up here. you got Youngstown State. I think Kyle McCord will get the bulk of the load, but they want to get Devin Brown in the game and get him worked into the passing game more, but they're going to make Kyle McCord earn it. Well, Tom, to your point, I don't know if it's something that's happening necessarily during the week, but it may be what we're seeing on the weekend. On Saturday, we didn't see a lot of balls thrown downfield by Kyle McCord. We know, we know this Ohio State defense to be a defense that wants to get the ball down the field. The guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka in the past, the guys, uh, guys who are in the NFL right now, right? Jackson Smith and Jigba, et cetera. But last week, all we saw were checkdowns or maybe two passes, maybe three, not including that ones that were completed 25 yards or more. And so you're wondering, man, Ohio State, big play offense. We didn't see it. We saw it in the running game. But for Devin Brown to only get really one series and then he got a mop-up duty in the, at the end of the very, very end of the game, that for me says maybe Devin Brown's a little bit further back than we all expected. And guys, here's what we have to remember that Ohio State still won a conference game and they also won it on the road. So there is a lot of positive yeah. to look here and we can't just expect Kyle McCord to necessarily be C.J. Stroud or to be Justin Fields or to be Dwayne Haskins in his first start as the full-time starter. So I understand that, yeah, maybe Devin Brown is pushing him at practice. Maybe he's showing some promise. But ultimately, Coach Day made this decision knowing that McCord is going to be their guy. So I believe as he gets more reps, as he continues to get more comfortable, and don't forget, there is pressure to push this ball to these receivers. You got two potential first-round picks at receivers. So naturally, as a quarterback, you want to feed everybody, but it's going to come to him. So the main thing is that they won that game and they can move forward. They've got some big-time targets to throw through, too, but as you mentioned, he doesn't have a lot of experience. Only had 20 attempts all of last season. Got a couple weeks, hopefully, to sort it out before they go on the road to take on Notre Dame. Let's take a look at some other quarterback news and some injury updates. As Arizona State quarterback Drew Pine going to miss another game for the Sun Devils. Freshman Jaden Rashada will get the start against Oklahoma State this weekend. Also, Virginia quarterback Tony Musket is a game-time decision. He hurt his shoulder, non-throwing shoulder, in Virginia's loss to Tennessee. And also, Baylor will be without Blake Shapin for a bit. He sprained his MCL versus Texas State. We will keep an eye on those throughout the week here on College Football Live. Still ahead, though, Colorado's win in week one. Completely it flipped the script for expectations for the Buffaloes this season. Is there a reason for concern or to go ahead and get on the bandwagon now we'll tell you plus week one is in the books but we're still living for some of the big time moments we saw from the start of college football season the best plays you need to see that's ahead when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Welcome back into College Football Live. You guys, the Pac-12, it might have an uncertain future, but there was nothing to question about the way these teams played in week one. The conference was absolutely dominant this weekend, going undefeated. 13-0 conference marked the first time that they have ever had every team 
in the Pac-12, won a season opener since back in 1932. Now, part of that domination, it was due to the play of the quarterback. Seven players threw for at least three passing touchdowns in their respective games, which includes Michael Penix Jr. and Caleb Williams, who each threw three. And it was all highlighted even more by Colorado's upset win over TCU. Its first game with 40 points or more since 2020. Their quarterback, Shador Sanders, had a lot to do with it, and he got a text from Tom Brady. Working with Tom, it was just talking to him and understanding, okay, how to improve each week. Uh, he texts me after the game, don't be satisfied. <laughs> like, it's cool. So it was cool hearing from him, knowing he's still watching and stuff like that. But just working with him, it really helped me just understand, don't focus on the good things. We did that. that that's, that's night and day. We're going to do that regardless. Focus on the bad things. Focus on the things that we wasn't able to do at a high level. So improve that, then you got a full armor everywhere. We start winning not in the news press and, 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 and not on Saturday, but we started today. We started with the scouting report today and understanding today. Yesterday, probably half the team was in watching film and getting prepared and studying. So I, I love that aspect of who these young men are and what they want. But they've seen the results of hard work and labor. They've seen that, hey, man, all we got to do is win. You see all the tension that we're getting? Like, that, that has registered now. And uh, I think there's something that they couldn't fathom. They didn't understand that it could happen because of the light that's shining upon us, and we're thankful for that. But these young men, they know now. If, man, we just ball out, we're going to get the love that we desire. And that's all they want. They want attention, focus, and a little love and light. And I ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that, as long as they use it in the right way. He's right. They're getting all of that because after the massive win, a lot has changed for Colorado. Quarterback Shador Sanders entered the game with 100 to 1 odds to win the Heisman Trophy. That now sits at 23 to 1. Meanwhile, the spread for their upcoming game against Nebraska, it's also moved. The preseason spread had Nebraska favored by seven and a half. That has changed to Colorado now being the three-point betting favorite. So, Sam, I know you are high on this Colorado team. You were even before the win, but tell me why this is a team that you think can continue and sustain the success. Because they know what it's like to have the spotlight shine on them. What I mean by they, I mean their head coach, Deion Sanders, and the athletic director, Rick George. I got a chance to be in the locker room after the game, and I spoke with the athletic director, and I said, hey, what is this what you expected? Like, are you surprised? And he said to me, I'm not surprised. This is exactly what Coach Sanders, Coach Prime, said would happen, and it happened. So that tells me that if Coach Prime knew it was going to happen, he's instilling that belief in his players. And if he knows what it's like to have success early, he also knows what it's like to have success late. So he's teaching his guys, hey, you got to come in, listen to Shadour, talking about, man, you have to just be great, not just focus on the highs, but also where you can be better. And, and last thing I'll say is this. There's a player I talked to on the team, a defensive lineman transfer from Florida State, and he mentioned how they are a team, they're a family, they're starting to love each other even more, how some of the older players refused their spot and said, hey, no, you get in the game because we're trying to win. And so for me, that tells me that this team is maturing right in front of our eyes, and that light that's on the inside of them is brighter than what's been shown on the outside. You know, Sam, I, I thought some of the most important words that Coach Prime spoke were in that press conference that we just listened to because he referenced the work and the labor and what now needs to go in with, you know, into it. The fact that they have the, the spotlight, that's great, but you can't be consumed by the spotlight because now it's the next opponent. It's the next week. And so what has to happen to go through and sustain this success? 
you have to have consistency of performance. So now they got to go out against Nebraska at home. You've got all of this attention upon you. Everybody's fired up, right? They've lit a fuse in the transfer portal. They've lit a fuse in recruiting. They've lit a fuse amongst the college football community and in the Boulder community. Those things are all going to pay long-term dividends. But the short term is this Saturday. And I think if you look at the long term of this season, we saw two of the best players in college football on Saturday. I'd make an argument that Travis Hunter's performance was the best performance of any player in college football over the weekend. And there were a lot of good ones, okay? But now you look forward and you say, all right, we've got to stay healthy. We've got to stay healthy. We've got to get better in the run game. We've got to get better defending the run on defense. How can we improve each and every week? Shador is right. When Tom Brady told him, focus on the things that didn't go well. How do you correct, correct those? And then Colorado will continue to improve each and every week. Well, look, I believe. And when you look at Coach Sanders and the way that he was able to motivate this team, it's obvious that, obvious that he's a great mentor and also a great leader of young men. Uh, all these young men have bought in. You look at the discipline of this football team and think about the fact that you have a Colorado team that didn't win any games last year. The overhaul of the roster and all these new transfer players, everybody's saying, oh, they're not going to be cohesive. They're not going to play together, this and that. Guys, they had one penalty in this football game. One penalty. They were 9-15 on third down. They were 2-2 two for two on fourth down. You had Shadur Sanders, their quarterback, throw for over 500 yards and almost 80% completion percentage. So you talk about the discipline of this football team. That's what impressed me the most. Beside the individual performances of some of these players, the overall team discipline is what helped them win that football game on the road in a hostile environment against a team that a year ago was playing for the national championship. And they did it with 87 newcomers, 54 transfers, and these guys all bought in and believing in what Coach Prime is saying. Guys, that was definitely one of the best things that we saw this weekend. But let's dive into a couple of other ones. And, Sam, give me the best of week one, the best defensive play that you saw this weekend. Well, this is the best defensive play from potentially an offensive player, a two-way player. It's the intercession from Travis Hunter. Why is it special? Not just the fully outstretched arms, but he dropped off of his coverage. That's a next-level football play. It's more than just doing your assignment or being in your gap. He did his job, then he did someone else's job, and he made a game-changing play for his team. Got a couple of plays that you could pick if you wanted him, but we were talking defense there. Let's go offense now with our quarterback. What was the best throw, EJ? Kelsey, this is an easy one. The best throw is USC quarterback Caleb Williams. Now, you watch him make a guy miss and also get to the sideline and throw a perfect ball literally right down the line to his receiver, right into his hands. I mean, this is freaky stuff. Unbelievable play here by Caleb Williams. It will not be the last that we see from him this weekend. Lugs, the best catch of week one was what? How about Texas State? Joey Hobart down the sideline with this one-handed grab. DJ Kinney's debut as a head coach. Look at this. Holy smokes. Wow. Congrats uh, to him and that win and the upset win over Baylor. That does not look like a week one catch. That's like a week 10 catch, the way he's reeling that one. And I got a surprise <laughs> one for you guys. One more. I've got best run of the weekend, and I got to give this to our guy, Tom Luganville, because you have got the whole crowd of fans behind you as they stormed the field at, at Duke. And Lugs, you made it happen. I was worried for you. I'm not going to lie. There seem to be a lot of people worried for my health. Now, watch me get skinny and shoot the gap here, Sam. All right? You know, I, it was, it was a read and react call. I was the spy. I was the spy on Mike Elko, right? And once I found him and he, he bolted the pocket – 
I had to do everything I could to get through the wash. Somebody better recruit you after that because you made it happen. Nothing was getting in your way. Good stuff, and what a massive win that was as Duke upset Clemson. Guys, we got more to get to here on College Football Live. Still ahead, it's not just that that we have going on, but we've got to take a look at what happened this weekend and some of the teams, like Clemson, who can bounce back after some big losses to start the season. This game is the biggest of the year. This is going to oh be a hell of a God. game tonight. I can't yeah. wait. It's going to be a big game this weekend. We'll see who comes out on top. Meanwhile, people who came out on the bottom of week one, some of the notable losses, you see LSU, TCU, Clemson, some of the notable ranked teams who all fell in their season openers. Colorado, of course, shocked the world. Texas Tech, they had a big one, a thriller, but they lost in overtime to Wyoming. Now, speaking of one of those games, TCU, how about what we heard from them after the game? It was their linebacker, Johnny Hodges, who had some strong words. I guess you can say it's a wake-up call. Uh, I don't know how losing in the national championship by 60 isn't a wake-up call, but uh, right now we're, we're definitely the laughing stock of college football, having 22 missed tackles, having who knows how many missed assignments, making our defensive coordinator look awful, just making his defense look like it's a childhood kid's defense and him getting all this slack. So uh, if it's not a wake-up call, then I don't know what it is. Shout out to Johnny Hodges because that's a guy that I want on my team. The, the self-reflection there and, and just owning it. Let's let's take a look at, at some of these losses. And, Lukes, who do you think can bounce back? Well, I, I think the loss between Duke and Clemson for the Clemson Tigers was not only alarming, but it was how they lost the game. You know, Clemson did things that were so uncharacteristic of their nature. They had three drives in the third quarter down to Duke's one, four, and seven-yard line. Came away with no points. They missed a field goal. They turned the football over. And quite honestly, they didn't look like they had a lot of team speed on offense. And Duke played their tails off, and they won the game because they made fewer errors than Clemson did. Clemson's good enough athletically to get back on their feet before they got a lot of uh, correcting to do. I think the biggest losses for me, Tom, there's two of them. One, I'll start with the Texas Tech lost to Wyoming, not because Wyoming isn't a significantly great team, but really because remember just not long ago, we had a coach or a commissioner say, hey, go take care of all these other teams. And secondly, Texas State beating Baylor. Shout out to G.J. Kinney. He was a high school or college teammate of mine. We got recruited the same year. He's 34 years old, went on, transferred to Tulsa, was dominant as a player, but also now as a coach upsetting Baylor. Well, another tough loss was LSU, and uh, I know a lot of people might have been surprised, and some may not have been surprised, and I wasn't surprised, but when you did look at this LSU football team, they're going to win a lot of games in the SEC, and the main thing is Jaden Daniels played well. They're going to have to create some more type of run game outside of Jaden Daniels if they want to try to win a lot of games in the SEC. I got the video in of Tom running on the field. What I should have done is gotten the video in of EJ celebrating all of those touchdowns we saw from LSU. <laughs> we'll see you back here, same time, same place tomorrow.